0: morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly.
1: Good morning, I'm Karen. Karen, you've got show notes in your hands. You go right ahead. All right. An Evening with Medium's event. In 2018, we have three dates coming for you. We have April 27th, August 24th, and December 14th. And those tickets are on sale at the website by sarlow.com. Uh, next Sips of Sanity podcast show, our second series, airs on the website only by sarlo.com first week of every month monday to friday you can find us where kelly and i sit and talk about one uh, usually one theme for the five days
0: yeah and if you're feeling confused like you couldn't find december's you're absolutely right in the month of december we do uh, best of for the entire year so all of our social media posts get ranked from 31 to number one and we reshare all of those with you Almost like a reflection of the entire year.
1: And where do they get that?
0: That's on the website and shared through Facebook.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Personal sessions. Both you and I do personal sessions for people, long distance, all over the world. So they can have a session by Skype, FaceTime, telephone, or in person, whatever they'd like. And that leads into group sessions as well. So they can also do groups as well. I've done groups by Skype and FaceTime and telephone too. So you have to set it up that way so that Kelly and I can be prepared to do that properly. We have Christmas gift certificates. Um, these certificates are actually good for any time of the year, but they're wonderful at Christmas. And people can buy them for any denomination that they want. It doesn't have to be a full amount of a session. Someone could use the gift certificate towards a session. You can buy a gift certificate for anybody in the world using your Visa, MasterCard, American Express, e or PayPal. And the final show
0: note is about next week's podcast. You can look forward to a wonderful uh, conversation about what it is to be a mentor.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm excited for people to listen to that one. That's a really uplifting one. Mm -hmm. So stay
0: tuned next Saturday as well. But as promised, today we are talking about narcissists. And
1: how to leave one. Okay. Okay. So first thing Kelly and I would like to say to people are listening to this and would like to leave a narcissist is that you may be in a position that to do so may cause trauma in your life. So you may need a psychiatrist, you may need a psychologist, you may need for people to be aware that you're leaving the person for your personal safety. You may need to contact a lawyer in advance so that if they try to take your children away from you, Or try to take your home away from you? Or have you fired from your job? Uh, Just a a variety of ways that the narcissist can try to destroy your life because they feel you are trying to destroy them. Because they're so latched into your identity, they can't imagine that you could leave them. So you may have to assess where you're at. And I think some people don't understand how sick the narcissist in their life is. So you may need to let friends and family know for your safety. So that's the first thing we wanted to say before we get into the things that we can help you with today. Because we recognize that you may need other professionals at different levels and that can provide safety for you.
0: And also steps, because if you're being that severely abused, you won't know each step to take. And that's when things can get too clouded, too overwhelming, and we get paralyzed and stay.
1: And I think that's really powerful for people to hear why you need a therapist, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, psychotherapist. I don't know all the terms for the professions, but it's very, very important to have them because they will be able to help you in a court system. It, it, It is, yes, it is part of process. It is part of supporting you and telling you right from wrong because narcissists will never tell you right from wrong. They will do anything to confuse you and keep you. So as you're starting to create your own identity, having a person there to help you and to back you up and affirm it for you is positive. And also to remind you of your rights. Legally too. And and they can go to court for you to help you. And all of that is very important because for some people, if they don't take those steps properly with those professionals, they lose everything, which is what the narcissist wants. You. They want you to suffer if you're not listening and under their control. And some of them will go to any lengths, including destroying everything about your life. Okay, so that's, that's reality. That is a reality for some people. So let's now move on into some other areas that you and I have learned in what we've done in helping people, but also in talking to spirits who've crossed over, who've either done their leaving or, and that doesn't necessarily have to come through, but you and I learn all of these lessons in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. It's, it's experiences with clients that are humans, but it's also in speaking to the narcissists who've died and hearing the things that they did to people so that we, we can maybe offer some of the things that we've learned. Okay. Do you want me to begin, Kelly? Uh, Yeah.
0: I'm banking on it.
1: Oh, well, the very first thing I think that's su- super important for people to hear is what a lot of therapists refer to as no contact. And it means just that. that. And that's a tough one because some people might think, well, that's pretty simple. It's simple if you
0: don't have children. It's simple if you don't have a business together. It's simple if your partner isn't in business with your family. There's, there are a lot of reasons that this becomes impossible. For many, many years.
1: Yes. And again, why we might be always suggesting professionals helping you. So that you have a third party who can step in to do a job for you. Exactly. Because if you have a business with this person and you're trying to go no contact with a narcissist or to leave one, you can't really do no contact completely. So you're now going to have to understand what healthy boundaries look like. And if you've been with a narcissist, I guarantee you don't know them. Because that's one of the things they do is they teach you to let people cross all of your boundaries, and in particular, them. So we're going to have to split up no contact, I think, in two different ways, Kelly, Mm -hmm. because no contact for people who can't do it is going to look a whole lot different than the person who can detach themselves from the narcissist. I I like to say third party contact.
0: Oh, that's awesome. If we're talking about the professionals doing the job on your behalf, then you send them in to either do the, write the letters, make the next demand for what the next step is, if it's lawyer to lawyer, or if it's having someone, uh, a middle ground where you pick up and drop off children, third party can be a place
1: as well. Well, I like how you're saying that because we'd like to stress here that that the third party should not be a young child. Correct that is going between you and your ex narcissistic partner, or friend or family member, it shouldn't be put on a child to do those things. And I guarantee you that the narcissist will use the child to do it 100%. Because it still means they're an extension of you. And it still means that if they hurt the child, they hurt you. And that's why organizations or other adults who can understand healthiness, and when it's unhealthy, can step in and set boundaries. They get paid money for a good reason. Yes. And sometimes family members can do that in a healthy way. And sometimes they truly can't. They get clouded in their opinions. They get clouded in their hurt and their pain. Their desire to be liked. Yeah. Their own people-pleasing issues or their own narcissistic behaviors. And so sometimes you can end up getting bullied by two narcissists instead of one. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a key for some people to hear because that's going to be a shit ton of pain. And we're trying to get you out of it. So to refer you to the professionals is to get you out of your pain. If you refuse to do that, you really have to take a close look at yourself as to why you're staying in your pain by your own choice. And that's where family members are going to become very frustrated with you.
0: Mm -hmm. And you end up losing your support system over time. Yes. People get tired of supporting you to leave abuse and watching you go back into it because they know that their words either aren't enough, that their support isn't enough, and that at this point you're now aware of it if you're talking about it, but you're you're choosing it consciously. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we step back for a moment because we launched right into how to leave a narcissist, but at no point have we addressed what a narcissist is. Oh, absolutely. So we're talking about abuse, which is very generalized because there are many, many forms of abuse and you and I can engage in them on a daily basis in very tiny ways, but not be an overall abusive person, right? Mm -hmm. There There are some small things that can snowball into a personality of abuse, and we want to focus on the actual overall narcissist person. So, can we break that down and differentiate between instances of abuse and then also the personality?
1: I'll try. Are you asking me to start explaining what a narcissist is?
0: Yes. Okay. Because for some people, if this is the first podcast that they're listening to, this may be the first time they're hearing the term. Okay. This may be where they haven't listened to Patricia Evans talk about an um, irrational people who live in a reality of abuse. Right. They don't know or understand an extension of someone else.
1: Well, then maybe this is also a good time to point out some of those people like Patricia Evans, Susan Forward. Robin Stern, Beverly Angel, Nina Brown. Nina Brown is a tremendously brilliant author who writes many books about narcissism, children of the self-absorbed, and so there you go. Narcissist meaning self-absorbed. So narcissists come in different sizes and shapes in the way that they behave and look too. That's why we're suggesting so many authors and books. There isn't one type of narcissist. You can have a one kind that's just blatant. It might be the one that you see most on TV, where everything is about them. They manipulate people around them to get what they want. They emotionally blackmail people, they verbally abuse. So that would be, you know, Patricia Evans, the 15 forms of abuse, the verbally abusive relationship would help people identify the narcissist. But there are other types of narcissists that are very people-pleasing people pleasing people who who still get what they want all the time, but don't look like the traditional bully. So you've got the narcissist that's just flat out the bully. And then you've got other ones that are just so sweet and kind, but they get everything they want anyway. So is it fair to say it's at all costs? Uh, And I would say that that's a spectrum, Kelly, you can have narcissists on a spectrum, some that are maybe milder than others. Um, but I would say over time, they do things like confuse and confound the way that you think so that you don't know your own thoughts. And you default to their thinking. Yes, you default and you want to know what they think more than what you think. So quite often, if you're with a narcissist, you're confused. You don't know what you want in life, or you go along and you think you're easygoing. And you think you're happy. But eventually you get have anxiety And then there's depression. And these things build up over years. They typically don't hit you all at once. And quite often people end up with narcissistic bosses and parents and will stay in those relationships because it began with the parent. Right. Because it is familiar. It's the only thing they've known. They might see other couples that are healthy but chances are they don't hang around a lot of couples that are healthy or any other people that are healthy. Typically, we hang around other people that are either like ourselves, that are being abused, or other narcissists. Or both. And bo- Yeah, exactly. And okay. both. Good. So that's kind of general, but those authors do a really good job. And there are loads of people on YouTube videos like Kim Saeed... She has some videos. Um, Melanie Tonya, Evans. This They're... Is one person? No, those are two people. Kim Saeed is one person. Yeah, but Melanie. Melanie Tonya, Evans is another person. Is one person, okay. Yeah, that's one person. Um, they are two uh, professionals that do all kinds of YouTube videos on narcissism. But if you Google that on YouTube, you're going to see those two women, but you're going to see men that do it. So that might appeal to you too. You might resonate more listening to a woman or listening more to a man, it doesn't matter, or or both and research both so that you can identify if they're where the emotional blackmail comes in, because some people might hear emotional blackmail and go, what the hell is that? Mm hmm. Dr. Susan Forward has written a whole book about emotional blackmail. Mm-hmm. So it's where they, they, they still have to have their own needs met, even if they make it look like they're they're pleasing you. Yeah, this is why I wanted to go back in and define
0: what a narcissist is, because we're talking about leaving them. And you preface the show by saying sometimes it can cost your life. Yeah. And this is why the third parties are so important. Now, for the people pleasing narcissists... It may be quite easy in a sense to walk away from the house to take the children and do certain things that appear to be your freedom, but they will people please everyone around you that knows the split is happening so that they gain the support or they gain the sympathy or empathy from others. And you look like the bad guy, even though you've taken all the steps to have a healthy family.
1: That's right. They'll leave you isolated because that's how they will punish you. They will appear
0: to be the good person who got left
1: oh and they, they may take all of their family with them and all of yours, <laughs> leaving you all by yourself
0: or with, yeah, I want people to know what all of this looks like because if they're sitting there going, well, I want to leave, but am I, am I leaving a narcissist? do I need to be more concerned or do I just need to be prepared that this may be a possibility
1: or for for hopefully for some people that are listening to this, they might sit here and think Jesus Murphy, that's my brother in law. That's my sister in law. That's my dad. They made sure we isolated mom we they made sure we isolated my aunt or that we isolated this person. Oh my God, he comes to Christmas dinner and our own sister doesn't. Yeah, I think too, it's important
0: for people, especially who have already done the leaving, who have, who have worked their way through this, to understand that you can still be sitting in PTSD from this experience, from the people-pleaser narcissist and also from the overtly abusive narcissist.
1: And, and the, the people-pleasing narcissist is the most difficult to deal with because it's so challenging for people to see it. Because they see the person as so kind and good. And they may be not even talking badly about you in a direct way. They just might be pointing out your faults in a nice way. But still making sure that people are seeing you in a certain way. All of this is orchestrated very purposely for people to see them in the light they want to be seen in. Which is their narcissism. And again, that's at all costs. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, and all of a sudden you might be able to place that you have been the victim of a narcissist in regards to someone else, maybe you're not their significant other, or weren't, but you're a family member who they have targeted, it might be time for you to sit back and think about how they've manipulated you. Be aware so that you can choose other actions now. Maybe you need to clean up, maybe you need to approach somebody and ask them some questions. And that, that's a very good thing to do is to be able to approach someone and be able to begin and say, I think I don't understand this. May I speak to you? Do you mind answering questions about your relationship and how I've been pulled into this? Because that's what narcissists do. They pull other people in. So you're not saying confront the narcissist though, right? No. Okay, good. Just clarifying because that would be the worst thing possible. That's right. Oh, and that's pro- that's one of the very next points to make is that at no point in this do we confront the narcissist.
0: No, that's part of
1: the no contact. That's right. Even for the other family members, because if you approach them, they're going to have your head spinning. They're going to just make sure now that you've confronted them that they, they love that. Because this is now another challenge, which is what they feed their energy off of. To
0: make you an extension of them. That's right.
1: They engage everybody else in their narcissistic behaviors. So everybody else around them, it could be their exes, brothers and sisters, or parents, or children, neighbors. Co-workers. Friends. Even her girlfriends will side with him or her, whatever the narcissist is. You see where they create destruction everywhere. So approaching the narcissist is never going to work. They're all too good for that. And they all love the challenge. So it's like, bring it on. You have to approach the person who they've targeted to be able to sit down and ask your questions to get the truth. And, and that's the key. We're looking for truth here. And that's the thing that narcissists will spin, maybe take a little piece of, and blow up in a different story, they might have a thread of truth to something, but that's all it is, is a thread, or they may have none whatsoever. So it's important to actually speak to the person they have targeted, so that you can hear it. And this time, when you approach that person, you have to go to that person with a willingness and an openness to actually listening to them, and ask open-ended questions. Yeah, because a narcissist will have fed you so much information, you think you know all the answers. And that's why the victim, quite often, has to be isolated in some way to protect themselves to heal.
0: Okay, so then what's, what's number two after no contact?
1: Well, one of the things I wrote down was just not to explain to the narcissist anything. So if we go to direct communication, because in some instances, you can't have no contact. One of the things you have to do is stop explaining because that's what narcissists want. They always want to engage you and ask you the questions so that you have to do the explaining. And would it be accurate and
0: appropriate at this point to say if this is around children to stick to facts Drop off is at this time at this place. There's nothing about feelings. There's nothing about and then what. It's just what's the task at hand and who's handling the responsibility.
1: Yeah. And you hit the third point is no feelings, no explaining no feelings to them.
0: Yeah. So whatever contact you must have is just bottom line.
1: Yes. And to stick to it and keep repeating it and end the conversation, hang up the phone, no texting. Um, walking out, whatever it is, you have to be the one that initiates the breakage. Because that now means boundaries. Be- they're witnessing you disengage. That's right. And that drives them nuts. Which is when they're going to enroll others. Yes, to text you and call you. Okay. And that's where, again, with those other people, you might have to say to them, this is none of your business. Uh, you might have to set another boundary saying this has been taken care of. You might have to say th- or not respond at all. So they get the message that you're not getting engaged. You're not pulling in a triangle. Yep. You might have to say, no, thank you. I'm not willing to triangle with my ex-husband or my ex-wife. No, thank you. I am not willing to engage in triangling. No, thank you. This becomes a big key thing. Not showing them any emotions to the narcissist at all will drive them nuts because that's what they feed off is making sure that you are in chaos, that you are in your ups and downs. And this is important for you to hear because you're addicted to it. Yeah.
0: And I want to throw in the helplessness. They want you to be in it. And that's the piece that you end up getting addicted to. Mm hmm.
1: And Kelly, it's actually, and I know you already know this, but it's actually a chemical release in the brain. Right. It actually affects the amygdala. Is that how you say it? Or amygdala?
0: It affects everything.
1: Yeah. It affects your hormones. It affects the chemicals that are released in your brain. Your fight or flight. Yeah. Your digestion. Yes. The way you excrete. Yes. So if you can't lose weight, if you are or you're gaining weight or you can't lose the fat or you've got cellulite there's all kinds of issues that happen in the body that respond to the fight or flight mode and that is the most primal part of the brain yeah and and then some people say well you know finally when I disengaged from the narcissist I lost 30 pounds yeah you did other functions start to come back that's right your hormones your the peptides in the brain the amygdala all of the harm everything that's the brain is doing gets to step into healthier space. And your body responds to that. A key important thing to do for yourself, before you go no contact, or before you choose to leave the narcissistic relationship, whichever relationship it is in your life, I believe are self soothing techniques. This to me is one of the key things that you have to learn to do or and know about yourself. And if you have none, and that is common for people in relationships with narcissists to have no self-soothing techniques, because as soon as they know you have one, they want to make sure you are shamed by it.
0: Or that it's taken away
1: from you. Yes. So if you're a child and they have all of that control over you, then they will take it away from you. If it's a partner or a boss, they may have enough over you to take it away from you. If it's a partner or a sibling, they might not, but they might want to continue to try by shaming you. So if you self-soothe with a blanket, if you self-soothe with music, they might make fun of your music.
0: They also may send in the child to disrupt your self-soothing. Oh, good point. Yeah, because and especially if you're under the same house, because a lot of people need, I'll say out of necessity with finances, to still house share for a while in the beginning. Until they get all of those things sorted out. So they still have a third party that is a willing triangle, especially if the children are young enough and still have a need for mummy or daddy. Right. Where if you're in a bath and they say to the kid, we'll go in and ask your mom. Go yeah. in and, and tell mom. Go in and show mom. Or, pardon me, or dad. They put that third party in the middle
1: to disrupt any tactic that you have to self-soothe. Kelly... That's such a brilliant example to be able to share with people. I'm so grateful that you just did that. Because some people think they're in a happy, healthy marriage and their spouses are doing that to them, not realizing it's narcissistic behavior.
0: I see this and, and I won't say it's everyone. I just want to preface this. I play in maybe one, possibly two female volleyball tournaments every year and the gym is full of men. With the children who are quote unquote babysitting. And when the children throws a tantrum, they look at the mother on the court like, why aren't you doing anything? Mm. Why can't you come soothe your child? Mm. And that's the taking away the self-soothing or the the self-love activity. To of say, the mom of the mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they've taken their time out of the day. They've said to the, the father, you need to watch the kids today. I've got an activity. The parent shows up where they're doing the self soothing or the self love
1: activity and says
0: you should be handling your child. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a wonderful example. Those are both great, great examples for people to listen to and to be able to check in with themselves and go, wow, does that mean my husband's a narcissist because he shows up at volleyball?
0: And that's where I'm saying it's not all. Yeah. Right. Some children are old enough and it's like, I want to watch mommy play. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. That's maybe maybe it is a family event to a certain degree. But when you have a one year old or a two year old in there and you're no longer breastfeeding,
1: Mm -hmm. they don't need to be there. Or if they're there and they're misbehaving, it is the parent's responsibility who's watching. To be able to control that and deal with it or remove the child if necessary temporarily. Themselves to say, I've got yeah. this, you do your
0: thing. Yeah. We'll reconvene later and I'll let you know how it went.
1: Yeah. I think that happens to parents too. Sometimes like in work environments where the other parent shows up with a child and or even working in the home environment where you have a home office or a home business where you go into your home office to work. And the children or the dog or whatever coming in because the other parent has opened the door and said, as you mentioned earlier, go in and ask. Or raise enough hell on the other side of the door and I won't do anything to help you so that it will disrupt them. I'm just going to sit and watch TV or read my book or listen to my music with my headphones on and pretend that I'm not on duty. That I'm not, that I'm not available as the parent. Mm -hmm. You've already said you've gone to work for the day, and I don't give a shit. That is narcissism. Okay. That is when you have a a parent, one person, saying, it's here in this relationship, and if we don't deal with it now, it's going to escalate in five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. It's enough to talk about immediately, because that's what patterns and cycles are all about. Good. Okay. What's the next one? Um I'm going to jump a little bit in this aspect just that when you're the one doing the leaving, you're going to give you you're going to need to give yourself time to grieve. You're going to need to give yourself time. And that's that's a big thing to hear right now that you have to give yourself time because that's an action. You can't rush through steps in the process of being sad. About what you thought you had, sad over the loss of a relationship, sad over the loss of maybe a family unit or a partnership or a friendship or a job. You could be losing an income, you could be losing a lifestyle or a neighborhood or your neighbors. And anger that you have to give yourself time to feel angry over these things. Because in those processes, you're getting pieces of yourself back by feeling those feelings.
0: I'm a big advocate for writing things down I'm a visual learner even as much as I am auditory but I'm, I'm stronger when both happen together and then the writing is actually kinesthetic so you're taking all learning forms into one activity and the reason I stress it so much especially in this situation is because if you've lived a life of utter confusion in a narcissistic relationship you're probably not used to completing your own thoughts And the writing process puts it in front of your face to see whether or not you've started with a capital and ended with a period and had to finish your thought or if you're on to the next one and not willing to.
1: Well, this would be something that would speak beautifully to people who want to write a book and think that they are not a good author or that they're in a block.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to go
1: too far into that right now because whole a whole other show. But I just wanted to point out that people think that they have blocks in their careers and don't understand it's related to their personal relationship because they can't complete a thought. Yes, because they can't can't complete their thoughts. So the boss might now um, be punishing them. They're not getting the promotion and they don't understand why. They're not able to write the book or to do the job because of the dysfunction and the confusion we're talking about in the relationship that goes to the narcissism.
0: Yeah. And so what I wanted to do further with that is to say the activity helps because if you're forced to complete a thought in what you're currently feeling, which what you're saying is grief, what you're at that point focusing on is your loss, what you believe that you are losing. And then what can be done further along in the grief process is to actually have a new visual created with a new thought process to say, if I'm losing all of these things, what are the potential gains? Might I be able to find a new neighborhood with more beautiful trees or more yard? Would, would I be able to find a new partner? Would I be able to find peace and space in a home that's just mine if there isn't a partner? So there becomes a visual, auditory, and kinesthetic uh, part two to that where you're no longer focused just on the loss. There's now opportunity. And that's,
1: I think, when people
0: use the cliche, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, this becomes the light.
1: And that's what sessions are great for, is to, with us, is to help people see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's to also give them the tools. So you've given them a tool. I've given them a couple of emotions that they're going to struggle in. Let's continue with some more of this, of the things they can do to self-soothe. Is that okay? Because we talked about um, that they're going to need to learn how to self-soothe, and you've brought up a beautiful one, writing.
0: Yeah, and I think this goes back to a point that you made where if, narcissists catch on to this. If you have began that process in the relationship, you're not quite out yet. That's where they can start to pick up on that and take those things away. So if you are a child, they'll take your journal away. They'll take your pencils away. They take away the devices that
1: make that self-soothing project possible. I want to point out there too, Kelly, what I refer to as time stealers. Narcissists steal your time. Yes. They will make sure that you're so busy That you don't have the time to self-soothe. And as soon as they see that you're trying to, they take time from you. I would like to point out too that that time stealer can look like a panic attack.
0: Yeah. On the narcissist part where they hold you in the bedroom saying they can't be alone or they hold you in the bathroom saying that they're going to be sick if you leave, that they don't know how to be by themselves, that they can steal in an entire afternoon or your whole night so that you can't function to
1: go to work the next day. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good example, and it's a rough one for a lot of people to hear because if you're compassionate, if you're loving and kind, or if you're a fixer, and we'll swing it in all different kinds of ways, or if you're empathic, it really might kick you in that you want to be there for that person. So your own caring qualities want you to rise to the occasion. But you have to become aware, is this a pattern? That's the key. Does it steal time from me? And what was I planning to do? And am I actually going to do that and let them get through their own panic attack? How do they learn to self-soothe when they're in a panic attack? Do they even get help? Or do they always wait for me to show up to sit beside them for four or five hours or a day or a week? Do I shut down my life and stay attached codependently to these attacks. You know you're in trouble with a narcissist when it becomes routine. Or when you're giving up your life. I think time stealer was a great, great term. Yeah. Thank you. The spirit world gave me that. They were the ones that showed me that in a, in a session with Medium. Where a person who had crossed over, a man that came through, said I was a time stealer. I, I stole my wife's life. I stole time from her. They stayed married their entire lives until he died. But he came through to apologize to her because he was a time stealer. A thief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So self-soothing. It can be music. It could be that you choose to listen to one particular song every day, or one particular record or album or whatever you want to call it these days, whatever it is that calms you down that it soothes you. Soothes means to me that your emotions go from a state of anxiety to a state of peacefulness. So what brings me from one state of emotions to another one? What activities or what thoughts or what actions do I do or what do I participate in that changes me? Some people might say they meditate and that might work for them. So soothing might be meditation. Some might go for a run. Th- their, theirs could be exactly the opposite of sitting still trying to get to no thing or no thoughts or white light. Theirs might be a run. Get the heart rate up. Yeah. Getting the brain functioning in a different way, it, releasing different hormones because of physical activity. So their soothing might be a good workout in the gym. I think soothing can be elements as well. And, and I'm talking
0: about the earth elements. Earth, wind, water, fire, where you can either put your toes into soil, you can sit near water or play water on a on a speaker. Connecting to those elements can be something that that allows you to soothe because it's natural.
1: I think some people can do quite well with creativity too. Soothing could be their woodworking. It could be putzing around on the car, in the garage. It could be making cards. It could be coloring. They're self soothing. I think some people think self soothing is sitting in front of a TV. And I would, I would like to argue that to some degree. Yeah, because I don't I would not call watching TV soothing. I would say that it distracts. And it doesn't allow you to actually deal with things. But I guess to some degree, it would depend on what you're watching.
0: Well, and to the amount or degree that you're doing the self-soothing activities themselves. Because if we talk about crafts and arts and things like that, we can put hours on end into those and avoid life. Yep. Oh, that's a good way to word that too. Yeah, because it does come back to balance. And I know we're throwing around a lot of cliches, but it is defining what that looks like. So if I give myself, and you do this all the time, I'm giving myself an hour to read and then I'm doing an hour of yoga. Yeah. So there's there's a plan. There's an action plan involved with an intention to feel things because of certain activities.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I like that. And you're right. I do do that. I do watch time frames to see if I'm in balance with things or not. Or if I'm trying to stay in something to avoid what I'm thinking or feeling. Are we good with some of the self-soothing things, Kelly? Yeah, and I think like, it's... Are you good with that portion yes, for people? Yes,
0: I think we've given enough. And I think it's still people's responsibility to figure out what it is for them.
1: Absolutely. These were just some ideas in case people don't know what self-soothing looks like. And yeah. I we really want to stress that if you're with a person who's severely narcissistic, you may have none. You literally may run from one thing to the next, the kids, the job, the housework, this, that, and the next thing, and feel like you do not have a life. And that's the time stealing that we're talking about. Nobody should be feeling to that degree every single day. Yes, there are periods of time that we go through stuff like that. But we're talking about with narcissists, they steal your time and make sure that you're busy, or stressed, or in a drama all of the time and then of course they want to take you out of the drama and bring you for dinner or they want to give you something nice so that your brain goes into "Ah." I should be grateful yeah oh it's over we're happy now the fight is over oh now we're going to have sex oh now now I'm happy so they bring and then boom all of a sudden they come right at you again When your emotions are going up and down like that, you know you're with a narcissist. They keep you in the ups and downs, but they also quite often want to be responsible for when you are even happy. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's important to note for people who may be identifying themselves in this type of relationship, realizing that they don't have self-soothing techniques, that there are others Who forget what self soothing is to them as well. It's not just in your case. Mm -hmm. We do get busy, we might thoroughly love our job and love our partner and get out of balance doing too much of one thing. And we still have to evaluate what we used to love, what we might like to try. I always tell people it's still a trial and error process. You might love a bath today and absolutely hate it tomorrow, but you don't just necessarily knock it off your list of Mm self-soothing. It's, again, trial and error of what's going to soothe you that day, that moment. Mm
1: -hmm. And you know what? I think baths are thrown out there quite a lot, but I think there are some people that like their showers and that self-soothing just as much as a bath. Mm -hmm. It's typically that we see on TV self-soothing is the bath with the candles. Yes. And and that might be for some people and that might irritate the crap out of another person. And that's
0: where I like to point out that it can be for various reasons. So if some person doesn't like the idea of a bath because it's sitting in their own filth, maybe it never goes on their self-soothing list. Mm -hmm. For myself, I love them more in the spring, summer, and fall. Mm. My skin gets too dry. So getting into a bath in the the winter, it actually ends up causing me more pain. Mm -hmm. So I have to be knowledgeable about my own body and aware that this isn't a good time to implement that self-soothing activity. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out again that it's always trial and error so that the people in the narcissistic relationships don't feel that much more helpless, Mm -hmm. that much more ignorant, because I think they're already used to the self-shaming, that if they now think I don't even know what to do to soothe myself, that can be another point of keeping them in their, their low. Right. In their
1: shame. Yes. Which is something narcissists use on a daily, regular basis. It's
0: their best tool.
1: Yeah. Especially if they're children. At any age. And we just talked about that. Yeah. So what
0: was the next point that you were going to?
1: Um, The next point I was going to make was to, and you've said it already during the session or during this um, podcast a couple of times, Kelly. But the next point really to make is to focus on your own healing. Instead of to focus on just what the narcissist is doing. And because, again, that's what they want. They want the focus to always be on them, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. It just has to be on them. So what is going to be required of you is to
0: put the focus on you. And I can hear all of the the parents saying, but what about the children? That's fair. And that's where I think a lot of the sessions that people have had with us have been so productive is because the guides, first and foremost... Attune to your own soul and say, here's what you can do for your own self. And then by extension, it helps your children in this way. Then you can implement a separate activity for the children at another time that helps them deal with how they conceptualize narcissism at whatever given age they're at.
1: Mm-hmm. I think too, Kelly, if, if children are watching a parent, that the, the one that isn't a narcissist, but I'm not going to say the healthy one yet. I'm going to say the other one because yeah. they're both unhealthy. The non-narcissist. Yeah, they're both unhealthy. We're just talking about the non-narcissistic parent recognizing it and wanting out. If, if the children of any age, even adult children, if they are watching a parent self-soothe, if they are watching a parent set healthy boundaries, if they are watching that parent grieve, If they are watching that parent go through a process, messy, all over the place, but always learning and now setting good boundaries, self-respect, self-soothing. Vocalizing what they're learning. Yeah. Then you now have the beginnings of one healthy parent for them to model. So when they go to do a self-soothing activity... They don't feel shame. The beginnings of being a healthy parent are the best things you're giving your children at any age.
0: Yes, because you start to help them see choice. You help them to see flexibility, adaptability, all of the universal laws that we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. and then some. You begin to model. Mm -hmm. And they get to
1: learn that they can make mistakes. And they get to learn that they can love you as you're going through your change, which I think is something that we fear in leaving the relationship to begin with. That if I change, will anybody love me? That was heavy. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. I hope it helps people. And I hope it helps the people that are narcissists that are listening to this. Uh, And if you are a narcissist, the very best thing that we can say to you is, you absolutely, without excuse, need to pick up a phone and call a qualified psychiatrist. Because you're going to need someone at a high level of training to catch you constantly. And I don't know if that's a psychologist or a psychotherapist. As I said earlier, I don't know all of the qualifications. It could be a a therapist. I don't know. You're going to have to ask that person if they're properly qualified to help you with your narcissism. Because narcissists don't want to see psychiatrists. They want to win every time. I think it's important to
0: tell the non-narcissist how smart the narcissists are. Because regardless of whether or not they're the overt abusive or they're the people-pleasing, if it's an at-all cost, then they know all the resources, all of the tools in their back pocket to get what they need and get what they want. And so many people say, well, I don't believe
1: that he would do that on purpose. I don't believe he knows what he's doing. You bet your ass he does. And that's why we're suggesting a person at a high level of education trained to help the narcissist. Because otherwise you might think well if I just love them enough I'm sure it'll be enough no that's not the question it's never
0: just about not being hugged enough as a child that's right
1: there's so many more layers to that yes and it is not a partner's job to be the therapist in the couple it is is that good yes that's important lots of people in their relationship that are fixers want to put on the hat of the psychiatrist to fix the partner that's the narcissist. I'm going to stay if I just love them off. I'm sure we can work this out. No, you can't. They need another person that's going to hold them accountable, that is not going to have sex with them, that is not going to sit across the dining room table, that is not raising children with them. That is critical. And if you are a person who is attached to a narcissist then I hope you got something out of this show today to get you on your way and it better not have been just to withhold sex right yep we hope that it gave you some better tools to actually get healthy like and I mean seriously healthy the real healthy not the not the bullshit kind
0: okay I'd like to end on that Karen note oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and thank you for everyone for listening. We know we advertised this uh, a week before. So hopefully you've tuned in with an intention to learn, uh, an intention to do better in whatever part of the relationship you're in, whether it's triangle or right inside it. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, we encourage you to email us at info Otherwise, we look forward to sharing uh, next week's episode, which is about being a great mentor.